Very good morning, everyone. So as you've just heard, I'm Lizzie, and you'll normally find me over at the Wimborne site on a Sunday morning. So it's an absolute joy and privilege to be here with you this morning. So as a church family, we've just started our new series, and it's on discipleship. And personally, I love a good teaching series. It gives us a focus, gives us a clear framework, and as we unveil new elements to a series week by week, we're journeying forwards together to a common goal. And that's exactly what we're doing in this current series on discipleship. And through exploring different areas of devotion to Jesus and to being his disciples, we are on a journey together to becoming even more steadfast and secure in him and in who we are in him. So now, speaking of journeys, I've got a question. So how many of us have we started out on a journey absolutely fully confident that we knew the way, and so we didn't worry about programming the sat-nav, or we didn't think to check the route before we headed off, but then actually, after a while, things don't quite look as we thought they would or we remembered, and before we know it, we've gave in and we've pulled over because we went wrong, and now we're actually quite lost. Or how often have you begun something like maybe building a bit of furniture or baking some goodies or even working on a craft, and then halfway through, when those pieces, they just won't fit together, or that cake mix just doesn't look right. Did you have to get the instructions back out? Or did you have to have another look at the recipe to get you back on track again? Well, aren't we so blessed that on our journey with the Lord, we don't have to be concerned about getting lost or losing the way. We don't have to worry about the pieces not fitting together or about not only getting half the picture to get to where we need to be. Because he's given us everything that we need to navigate our way through life towards him and to know how to face a whole multitude of situations, hasn't he? And Psalm 119, verse 105 tells us, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that's exactly what we're going to be looking at this morning. How we, as disciples of Jesus, can be devoted to the word and deeply, deeply rooted in it so that we are living day by day in God's truth. And as well as being a light to our path, what else does the Bible itself teach us about God's word and what it means for us as believers? So there are a couple of passages that we're going to look at this morning. And the first is from 2 Timothy 3, 16. And it says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So again, we have this really bold and powerful statement that it's the word of God that directs us. It's this that gives us guidance and correction when it's needed. 
It's the Bible that will lead us towards God's right way of living. So allow me to ask another question just for us to think about for a moment. Do you know someone personally who's written a book? Have you read what they wrote? And if not, maybe you've read a book by someone famous, and so because you know their voice, or even simply imagine getting a letter or an email from a friend. And as you're reading those words and taking it all in, it can actually be like you're hearing that person read it, can't it? And you understand a little something of the person behind the words and who they are. And Paul's writing here that we hold in our hands something that is breathed out by God himself. And at any moment, day and night, in any circumstance, whatever we face and whenever we desire, we've got completely unrestricted and unlimited access to words that have been breathed out by God himself. And that's not always easy for us to grasp hold of, is it? Deep into our hearts. And I know that if I truly, truly absorbed that and understood it better, my Bible reading and the way that I approach God's word would probably look quite different. And the passage that we've just read, it tells us that all scripture is important. The Bible in its entirety is God's words and all of it together makes up that full and complete picture of what God has considered necessary for our growth and for us to understand. Can't it be really tempting to rest in the familiar, to stick to those passages and those scriptures that we know? We can be drawn to those books of the Bible that are a bit less confronting or confusing, can't we? Verses that we know well and that we understand. Yet Paul was reminding us here that all scripture even those passages that are a bit tricky to get our heads around, they actually all serve to draw us closer to God. And in fact, it's probably been sometimes our experience that through wrestling with some of those more difficult parts of the Bible, hasn't it probably actually strengthened our faith? As we've had to reconcile what we're reading with what we know about God in our hearts. And I think when it comes to talking about reading the Bible and to studying scripture, it's important to be real, isn't it, and to be honest. And it seems right to acknowledge this morning that it's not always easy to read the Bible, is it? And there can be some real challenges. We are reading eyewitness accounts or historical reports and poems and letters, all these things that were written a long time, quite some time ago. And they're translated from other languages, those probably being Aramaic and Hebrew and Greek. And because of that, the Bible's full of things like sayings that can only sometimes work in that language, like idioms. And what's more, there's a whole lot of historical context surrounding these texts that unless we're like academics or super scholars, we probably have quite a limited understanding of that historical context. But 
Having said all of that, despite those challenges, of course, there's always hope. And just as when you're reading that book by the author that you know, or when you're reading that email or message from your friend, and actually it's more like they're right there talking to you, and it's not just as if you're reading it, it's that they're, that it's like they're there speaking to you. We've got that same situation when we read the Bible. Paul tells us scripture is breathed out by God. And thanks to the gift of the Holy Spirit residing in each person who knows and loves Jesus, we have direct access to the author. We are in constant communication with him through the Holy Spirit. So allow me to give you an example of this that's really, really precious to me and filled me with such joy because I was just so encouraged by it. So picture the scene. I'm sat at home, got my Bible open in front of me uh, on the table, and it's open at Leviticus. And I've got my head in my hands, and I'm shaking my head from side to side because there's this passage I'm reading. And, okay, so it's about two pigeons, and one of them has to be offered up to the Lord in a really specific way, and then the other one has to be set free, but that doesn't happen until part of the ritual at the altar has to happen, and that's performed, and on the description goes. So I found myself quite literally crying out to the Lord in frustration, and I was saying, Lord, I just don't get this. I know that this is significant. I know that this is not just something that you've commanded just for the sake of it, and I really want to understand the significance of this, but I just don't get it. And only a few days later, you wouldn't believe, I joined a weekly call at work, and guess what? The guy that was leading the call, uh, he was sharing the devotional, and he shared from Leviticus, that exact passage that I had been reading just two days before, and he spoke all about the two different pigeons, how they represented two different elements of the resurrection and Jesus' sacrifice, and how it all pointed towards, towards Jesus. So there was this guy, two days later, explaining on this call exactly that passage that I had been wrestling with. So I learned two really important things that day. Firstly, that the Lord is so faithful to help us because he really wants us to grow in our understanding of his word. In fact, Hebrews 11.6 tells us that the Lord rewards those who seek him. It's his heart that we are taught, we're corrected, and we are trained in righteousness through reading the Bible. And so it's his joy to help us understand it. And I also learned that when we really press in and dig a little deeper than what first might meet the eye, with the Lord's help, there is this richness and depth of understanding that we might not have had before. And as Paul writes in that passage, all scripture is important. We need the whole picture. So like, for example, with Leviticus, as unique a book as it might be, Without it, I don't think we can grasp the fullness and the entirety of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Without Genesis and the fall, 
we wouldn't know why we even needed a savior, would we? Without the whole of revelation, we wouldn't have faith and hope for the future. So perhaps I think it's fair to say that we have our responsibility and our responsibility in the Lord is to get to know the word as fully as we can, as fully as our human minds can grasp and comprehend. And then it's the Holy Spirit who will bring revelation and understanding to help it come alive and take root. And as well as being our guide and providing invaluable insights on the best way for us to live a godly life, individually and as the body of Christ, the word of God also satisfies every single need that we have ever had or ever will have. Our second passage is John 6, 35. And it says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus was the fulfillment of scripture. He was broken so that we might know eternity with him. When he was taking Passover meal with his disciples for the last time before being crucified, Jesus broke the bread and he said, this is my body. So what was he saying with that? What was he doing? Well, he was drawing a symbolic but a very direct comparison between the bread that is eaten to give life, that bread that sustains us, and himself as the one who will sustain us forever. And it's so true, isn't it, that in this life, there is so much that can bring us happiness, it can bring us contentment for a time, for a season, that those things, they'll fade away, won't they? Jesus is telling us to daily come to him to be satisfied, to the word Because he alone is the fulfillment of everything that God promised. And he is the only thing that will be able to meet our deepest needs. In Luke 4, we read again of Jesus telling how he fulfills God's promise to bring us a saviour. Who will finish once and for all that work to make us right before God. So he's in the synagogue, isn't he? And he finishes reading a passage all about what Messiah would do. And then he sits down and he pauses and he looks up at the people and they've all got their eyes absolutely fixed on him. They're still and they're just absorbed, staring at him. And they're looking at him in wonder. And he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing So again, Jesus was declaring that he is the fulfillment of God's word and the only one that can satisfy. He alone can bring us into that right relationship with God so that we never have to thirst or hunger ever again. And as Jesus spoke and read from scripture, the people were amazed by his words and by his wisdom. And I think there's so much that we can learn from how he used and how he taught from the word. 
Many times in his teaching, he referred people back to Scripture, and he longed for them to gain an accurate understanding of it and the power that it has, didn't he? We read of Jesus often saying, you've heard it said, but I tell you. You've heard it said, but I'm telling you this. He was taking them further on their journey of understanding. His heart was for them to truly grasp what the scripture meant. He wanted them to understand accurately what the word says, but also to put it into practice and to walk in its authority. So we've got an amazing account of Jesus taking the word of God and standing on that authority when he was being tempted in the desert, don't we? God's word is so, so powerful. And why is that? Because it is the absolute, undeniable truth. When he was faced with testing in the desert, it was the truth of scripture that meant the enemy could not come against him. He had nothing left to say or to do. He had to flee because he could not stand against the truth of the word of God. But also, Jesus knew exactly which scripture to take and to apply to each one of the enemy's challenges. Jesus knew how to respond from God's word in according to how he was being tested. Jesus didn't just give some random uh, verse that he picked out in the hope that it might be relevant, not just something that came to him at the top of his head, but he applied the precise truth to combat the lies of the enemy and to bring victory. And again, the enemy had no choice but to flee because he couldn't stand and come against this truth. Hebrews 4:12 says that just how powerful the Bible is, and it also is so encouraging that we have access to those same truths which will allow us to stand firm and see God's victory. And Hebrews 4:12 says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And it was interesting this morning when I looked on the, on the, uh, the app, the Bible app, the, the U version, that the verse for today was uh, from Isaiah, that the Lord's word does not return to him void. So that's another scripture from Isaiah, that the Lord's word, when he speaks something, when he says it, it does not return to him. It accomplishes the thing for which he has purposed it. So God knows exactly what is needed from his word for every battle that we face. And he's going to help us apply it so that we can move forward. I think it's fair to say that Many of us will be able to discern and to pick out those thoughts that aren't from God. We can recognize them. We know when they come into our thinking. We know when they're there. But what's also important is going a step further than discerning them. But as quickly as they've sprung up and entered our minds, we need to be replacing them with truth, don't we? 
For example, if you're facing lies about inadequacy or not feeling accepted, try memorizing even just one verse about God's love for you. Just one verse that tells you who you are in him. And instead of trying to just shut out the thoughts and feelings that aren't from God, replace them with truth from his word. When we uproot, always replace with truth. Otherwise, you're leaving an empty, empty space for it just to come back and spring up again. Uproot and replace it with truth. When we ask him, just like he did for Jesus in the wilderness, he will show us, the Holy Spirit will show us from the word exactly what we need to stand upon and exactly what we need to pray into to bring us breakthrough and change. Jesus' temptation in the desert, it also shows us the importance of context, doesn't it? And of having an understanding of the wider meaning of the passage. When he was being tested, in one of the three attempts in particular, it was actually with the truthful word of God. It wasn't a lie or a half-truth, but the enemy was actually quoting an actual verse from Psalm 91, that the Lord would send his angels to protect Jesus, and so he should prove this by falling from the top of the temple. What was Jesus' response when he was challenged? What did he, what did he do when he was faced with this? He highlighted another scripture that gave actually full insight and the correct context and understanding to that one verse that the enemy had quoted at him. So we see here how important it is to read around a passage as much as we can, to ask questions like, who is this actually addressing? What's the situation here? Another good question that we might ask when we're reading a certain passage, how does this fit or cross-check against what I know already? So a helpful example, I think, for us as a warning about taking a verse or a passage out of context is from Matthew 18, 19. So this is the verse that says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So if I'm reading that, and I take that verse just as it is on its own like that, it may well be that right after this service, I go and I get on the phone and I phone everyone that I'm in the life group with, and I say, guys, guys, let's get together. Someone bring a 10-pound note, because according to Matthew 18, 19, if we all get together and you've got that £10 note, and we pray, that's going to become £10,000. It has to, because it's in the Bible. If we all agree, that's, that's exactly what... Let's, let's do that. Now, please, nobody panic. Don't start to worry. I can assure you I am absolutely not about to do that. But why aren't I? Because isn't that what the verse says? That if we agree on something, then, then the Lord will do it. Well, maybe... At a quick glance, isolated on its own like that, this could be what those few words might seem to imply. But actually, if we read around, 
And even the heading in some translations, restoring a lost brother. It gives us an understanding that getting exactly what we want is not at all what this verse is about. And absolutely, most definitely, there is power in prayer when we are united and when we agree, of course. But we should also be really careful not to conclude from this verse that God is bound, he's obliged to to answer us or to give us that simply because we agreed in prayer. So like Jesus in the desert, we need to know the proper context of the passage to apply it accurately and effectively. So we also see from the example of Jesus being tempted in the desert, what it looks like to be those who are devoted to God's word. Disciples who are devoted to the word of God, they're able to discern and understand his word and understand how to apply it. They stand on his word in different situations so that when the tough times and the challenges come, we're able to remain steadfast and not be shaken. And the more and the more that we do this, no matter how small or big the situation, the stronger we'll become. And as I was pondering on this thought, I was reminded that when I went to Moores Valley with friends, and some of you will probably know straight away um, about Go Ape. I was doing Go Ape for one of the little one's birthdays. You know, it's that treetop walkways, and it's like an obstacle course, and you're clipped on with a safety harness. And it might seem quite obvious that they would do this, but I remember being quite impressed with how the team there, they got each of us, children and adults, all of us, to walk across like this mini version. It was really low off the ground of the route first. And then they made us deliberately fall off the little wooden slats, come off of them. And we were just hanging there for a moment in the air, only a few inches off the ground. But why did they do that? So that we knew what the harness felt like and that we knew that we were safe. So that later on, when any of us fell, when we were high up in the air, we didn't panic. We didn't stress because we remembered that little test run and we knew that we were absolutely fine as that same harness had been tested on the lower ground. So in the same way, when as we're journeying deeper and deeper into our devotion to the word, we apply the same scriptural truth to the situations that are each time more and more challenging. And we'll be able to withstand more and more as his word is tested and proved faithful time and time again. Just like that harness held me when there was a little or a huge way to fall. So for example, if I'm struggling financially for the month, and I need the Lord's help to make my pay stretch a little bit to the end of the month, and I stand on his word that says that he is my faithful provider, and I see him faithful in that situation, should it then transpire that I lose my job altogether? Well, God proved himself faithful when I was struggling in the smaller situation, and I can stand on the same truth in a deeper way. 
And I think when it comes to the things of God, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, don't we? This is especially true, I think, for things like prayer and reading the Bible. These are two things that quite often we believe or we tell ourselves that we need to do it a certain way for a certain length of time. We put all these ideas and and thoughts on, on those two particular things about our Christian walk. And we tell ourselves that we should be doing more, that we should be doing better, as it were. But friends, I think God is interested in our hearts. Someone could spend hours reading their Bible, but if they're doing it, if the motivation is fear or this overwhelming sense of obligation, is that really taking them deeper with the Lord? When we sit down to read the Bible, is it our heart to connect with the author, the one that breathed it out, like we heard in that earlier scripture? When we sit down to spend time in the Word, is it our desire to go stronger in an understanding of who He is and in who we are in Him? And when it comes to reading the Bible, not all of us will sit and read 15 chapters in a day. Some of us will. But for others, it will be listening to Bible passages. For others, it will be a particular verse that you picked out whilst trying to make sure the kids haven't left their lunchboxes on the side, or a verse that really resonated with you whilst you're also grabbing your papers for that important meeting that you've got later on in the day. But that verse will settle in your heart and you'll come back repeatedly as the day goes on. So I don't think it's about a set amount that we have to read or about having to read the Bible even in a set format or a set way each day. It's about our own personal growth in reading the Word and, of course, encouraging each other as a church family in our reading and our time in the Word So I wondered if it might help ourselves to ask ourselves, with the time that I currently give to listening or to reading the Bible, am I growing in my understanding and application of God's word? With the way that things are currently, is that serving me in the best way? Am I growing? Am I moving forward? And by doing that, I don't mean we're comparing ourselves with others Absolutely not, because then we're feeling bad because we are all so different. But just simply and honestly asking ourselves if we're developing, are we deepening our walk with Jesus through connecting with the Word? Also, are we spurring each other on and sharing what God's showing us through the Word each day as we read by talking about it and sharing with each other what we're learning? A disciple of the word is motivated by love for the author. And so perhaps another question we might reflect on is if we need the Lord's help just to shift our mindset a little from seeing reading and listening to the Bible as something that we should or that we must do to seeing it more as an invitation from God himself to draw closer to him. We read that verse from Hebrews that reminds us just how powerful the Bible is, that it is alive, that it is active, 
It has that ability to change us, to challenge us. And as we grow in our devotion and as disciples of the word, those who understand it and also apply it, we can't help but be transformed and changed. Through time and the word and through the Holy Spirit's help in understanding the word, we'll grow in wisdom and we will be changed more and more to be like Jesus. But not only that, those around us will be inspired, won't they? When they see us full of excitement and enthusiasm for the Lord. Because God's word coming alive in us, it equips us, it teaches us, it challenges us, and it strengthens us. So because of that, as we grow and change, we'll naturally become more servant-hearted towards those around us. So praise God for the precious, precious gift of his word and the transforming power that it has to bring life to each and every one of us in each and every situation that we might be facing. So in response to that, if it's on your heart today, I'd like us to have the opportunity to respond to what we've been considering this morning and just ask the Lord to give us a greater love for his word. So the worship group will come and, and as they play, if you would like to know a deeper passion for the Bible and grow as a disciple in his word, then just be encouraged because we're going to use this time to do that. And as well as a greater love for the word, it might be on your heart to ask the Lord to help it really, really take root in your heart in a new way. It may be that you, you spend time in the word that you, that you read it, but actually sometimes it can be a challenge to apply it to our life, to our everyday situations. So we can ask the Lord to help it take root in a deeper way in our lives. Or maybe it's on your heart to go, to go deeper, to go to a deeper understanding, not in our own strength, of course, but through the Holy Spirit's revelation. So maybe you want to, it's on your heart to ask him for a new depth of wisdom and understanding this morning. So there'll be opportunities to pray and, and we'll do that now. Mm. Lord, we do thank you for the, your word. We thank you for the power of our word. And we just pray that in a new, fresh way this morning, you would inspire us and you would draw us closer and you would speak to us now through what you want to say about our studying of the word, our journey with as disciples of the word, Lord. So we just offer ourselves up to you now afresh and ask that you would speak to us. Amen. Amen.